there's about a 25-second delay that's not your computer. It's actually blog talk because I was delayed 25 seconds. I, um, I'm really so fed up with this beta, but I can't turn it off because I tried today. Apparently, resistance is futile, and once you volunteer for the cause, you're stuck with the cause. So anyways, <clears throat> while I'm being assimilated by the Borg, or blog talk, ever how you want to talk about it, um, people keep asking me questions. This is really cool. I really appreciate everybody um, participating in the Ask Me Anything page. I want to give a shout-out to Jovita, who says I'm awesome. I appreciate being told I'm awesome. Thank you very much. Um, I think that um, as a writer, because you spend so much time in a solitary kind of situation in your head, that uh, you sort of get lost in the uh, in the whole thing. And so it's nice to, to step out and see people saying and enjoying your work and saying nice things about you. So thank you very much. Um, I know that I spend a lot of time talking to other writers online, and I invest myself in writing challenges, and I have the Facebook writing group. And in a lot of ways, I've distanced myself from people who are just readers on my site. And I, I don't want you to take it personally, because it's <laughs> it's just a... a um, a response to the ugliness in fandom. There was a situation over the spring where a fan fiction writer in the Hobbit fandom was uh, her idea and her plot. Now, see, there are plenty of people in fandom who use the same idea, you know, and you explore that your own way. But in this particular instance, um, I think she won't mind because of her response to this entire thing for the joy wrote a story and it was an awesome story and it was she was a work in progress and she hadn't updated in a little bit but she was working on it and another writer took her work rewrote it just enough and then put it on AO3 as her own work um, I actually copied both documents, both stories to documents on my computer, and I compared them. And she outright lifted several sections of this of Joy's work and put it in her own. And then acted like she did nothing wrong when she basically stole Joy's work. And if that situation wasn't bad enough, the reaction of the Hobbit fandom was worse because while she had plenty of people to support her, her when Joy complained about this person straight up stealing her plot, plot point for plot point, um, with no credit to begin with, by the way, no credit at all, uh, there were other people in the fandom who got mad at Joy. or complaining about this writer hijacking her story. And when she stopped responding to their complaints about her acknowledging that this person stole from her, one individual actually 
took the time to look her up and find her email, which was not easy to do, and email her personally to complain about her not responding to this plagiarist's hurt feelings. Because how dare her not respond? And suddenly the, the, the person who did the hijacking was the victim. And Joy was a villain for picking on this poor girl. Well, you know what? I look at this victim's work, and a lot of her work is hijacked. You know, and here's the thing. You know, fandom, yes, we're going to retread the same ideas. We're going to do the same things. But what I need you to, um, to recognize is that if you're not capable of creating your own idea out of a concept... Taking somebody else's idea full-fledged and taking their plot point by point and rewriting it is fucking ugly, and it is inappropriate, and you are not a victim. So the end result is, is that while Joy did not delete her finished projects, she did take down all of her works in progress. She left the Hobbit fandom. She won't be back, if you're curious, by the way. She's not coming back. So all those works in progress that she had that she took down, you're never going to see those again. And then she changed her pen name, and she changed her email address. And no, I'm not telling you who she is now, because that's none of your business. But this is, this is what happened in the Hobbit fandom. And the fact that the original author was treated like shit for it being pointed out that this loser hijacked her story... It's fucking infuriating. I'm just going to put that out there. So whenever, um, so that's why, um, one of the many reasons why I've, I've kind of backed away from, from readers because um, it's just ugliness. Anyways, okay, tonight's topic is about third person, and we had a big show about it, but it was over a lot of topics, and there were a lot, lots of things went on in that show. So this is, this is completely about... Um, Jilly said that um, the person who hijacked her story stopped working on it, too. Well, it's no wonder, because she had no more material to steal. Yeah, that's true. Her source material did dry up, didn't it? Fucking loser. Anyways, um, anyways, um, third-person point of view. Uh, we had a big show. Like I said, there are lots of topics discussed in this show. Um, so, A.K. asks, how is third person... Hmm, I'm, I actually spent 20 minutes over here with the fucking YouTube video. Hold on. I'm going to do this. I'm crazy, okay? Son of a bitch. Um, <clears throat> omniscient. Omniscient, third person omniscient. I'm never going to get that. It's, it's never going to be a natural word for me to say, omniscient. Third person omniscient and uh, third person limited. Third person omniscient is a God point of view. You're not head hopping. So, Akane asks, how can you tell, how is third person omniscient different from head hopping? I'm reading a YA book. I'm going to skip that. Personally, I thought the author is head hopping like a motherfucker, but maybe it's third person 
omniscient. Even after listening to your latest podcast this morning, I'm still not sure what the difference between the two are. And Rogas, I have to agree with Akane. I'm still not really sure the difference between first person and third person. Oh, Rogue. Okay, quick and dirty. First person, I, me, we. Third person, he, she. An example of first person, I walked into the room. An example of second person, you walked into the room. An example of third person, he walked into the room. She walked into the room, third person. They walked into the room, still third person, limited. Um, Third person, omniscient. See, it's already gone. Okay, the God point of view is third person omniscient. Omniscient. Third person omniscient. If I'm fucking that up, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Is the narrator of the story knows what everyone is thinking and feeling at once. No one in the scene is a mystery to the narrator. They know everything and everyone. They can say, and everyone was really upset. That's third person omniscient. Everyone was really upset. I was really upset is first person. She was really upset was third person. It's third person. Now, you can say she in third person omniscient, and it's perfectly okay. But the third person omniscient is a um, limited, a third person limited would be everyone seemed really upset. That's the narrator making an assumption. But when you're talking about third person omniscient, they can the the narrator can say it's like a fact. It's a fact. Everyone in the room was really upset. It's not a an assumption. It's not something that they've garnered from everybody's expressions or what everybody's saying. This is knowledge that they're giving the reader. Everyone was really upset. Make sense? I hope so. So third person limited is when you are in a scene and all you know is what your character is feeling and what your character is assuming about everyone else. So for instance, a third person limited would be Harry walked into the room, everyone seemed upset, and he didn't know why. Whereas third person omniscient, (laughs) I'm always going to fucking hesitate, Um, third person omniscient would be, Harry walked into the room, everyone was really upset. There's no hesitation there because the narrator knows that everyone is upset. It's not seemed, it's not appeared, um... It becomes um, a matter of fact when you make an assumption um, in, a, in a scene. Okay. Now, the difference between first person and third person is huge. 
third person is a very intimate, deep point of view. And throughout the story, it's mostly, unless you're one of those people who likes to jump from one character to another and still use first person, which I find very, very annoying as a reader. Um, first person is told from a single character's point of view, and you use um, I, me, we. I walked into the room, and everyone seemed upset. We walked into the room, and everyone seemed upset. Um, it becomes like, you know, I. I is very deep. It's very intimate. It's um, a lot of people are put off by it. Second person is you, and you're talking directly to the reader. You walked into the room, and everyone was upset. Everyone seemed upset. Now, when you mix a second person with an omniscient point of view, that's ugly. I mean, it's just ugly. <laughs> You don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. First person can be very creepy. Um, Lady Holder's currently reading one of my first um, person projects, and uh, she said that uh, she had a difficult time with it because my protagonist um, sounds like me. And because she knows what I sound like, you know, she talks to me on the phone. She, you know, she she knows my voice. Speaking of, I got a weird fucking comment on Tumblr about that today. I'm going to share with you in a minute. Um, because because she's very um, knowledgeable of of how I sound and speak, and because this particular work is written in first person, um, <laughs> she said it was like it was me, like I had, like I was telling her a story about myself, and it kind of creeped her out. Right, yeah. Um, so, you know, first person can be extremely intimate, it can be a deep point of view, it can be can be deeply creepy. First person is inherently deep, because you only have that one person's... Um, feelings, knowledge, and assumptions, and then the other character's dialogues. Now, in third person, you can move from one character to another, but if you move from one character to another too much, that's called head hopping. So if in a normal story you're in third person limited, you, you need to change the – you need to move the scene to the other person's point of view. You just transition, you transition the um, the scene around into the next person's point of view, but for every for the love of Thor, please do not do this more than once per scene. It is it is a terrible habit and it is bad craft. I used to do it when I was younger. I used to do terrible things in point of view when I was younger. Sometimes I still catch myself doing weird things, like I'll do a hop into somebody else's point of view, like mid-sentence, and then skip, then skip back. And then there was that time in the unspeakable plot when I went um, third-person omniscient, just in one sentence, and then boom. I was like, what? <laughs> what did I just do? <coughs> <laughs> and no one, absolutely no one cares about the dog's point of view. I'm just going to put that out there for you. No one cares. Crookshank's point of view could be interesting because he's a magical cat. Hedwig could be interesting. She's she's an owl. She's magical. She, you know. But um, second person is um, deeply... Uh, blah, blah. Second person is terribly unpopular. Um, it's an interesting choice to make as a writer. I'm not saying you can't make it. Um... 
it can put people off. Uh, you don't want to write second person. Some people like second person erotica. I don't. I don't need somebody in my head telling me when to come. I really don't. Um, if you make a choice to do a story in a animal's point of view, um, a magical animal is interesting. Um, I would never write a story from Cork's point of view because he's a cat. He's just a cat. <laughs> he could be a furling. He isn't, but he could be. <laughs> He's just a cat. He's just a really creepy, smart cat. I had a cat just like him, um, and um, she was um, beautiful, and uh, she um, she was half Maine Coon and, and half Russian Blue, and um, she was gorgeous and ill-tempered, and she opened, uh, she opened doors, and um, she answered the phone. You could call the house, and if she, um, like, sometimes I would call the house if I was gone all day, and I would talk to the answering machine, and eventually she learned to answer the house phone, and she would knock the house phone off. It was one of those ones that on a cradle. It was obviously a long time ago, and um, she would answer it, and I would talk to her, and she would she would yowl in the headset. Yowl, and she would talk to me, and I would talk back to her. Of course, she could only do it once because she couldn't put the damn phone back on the hook. Um, so, but yeah, so Quark is actually um, uh, a tribute to to my beloved cat that um, she died uh, when I was my senior year of of high school. She she passed, and um, she was just awesome. She was an awesome cat. She um, she lived to be 19 years old, and um, we rescued her when she was around eight or nine years old, and mom didn't want to get her for me because she said, you know, she's already eight or nine years old, she's going to die, it'll break your heart, And but she lived until, I think, April of my senior year of, of high school, um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, she would, t Claire says, ah, my brother's Maine Coon turns on the taps when he wants a drink of water, yeah, my cat did too, yeah, she, she was awesome, you know, she was awesome like that, um, anyways, so, but don't, you know, for, Telling an, a story from an animal's point of view is a novelty. Um, I wouldn't recommend deploying it in a professional work. I just, I, I wouldn't. Um, if I was, um, no, I just, I totally would not. I do not recommend it. Uh, <clears throat> so, if we're clear, first person is I, me, we. Second person is you. It's like almost entirely you. I you could like, well, I guess maybe not. It's like you watched him walk across the room. Honestly, you could write a first-person point of view story and substitute the I for the you and get second person, and it would almost work entirely without much tweaking at all. It's it's very creepy. You're right. Um, Julie says it's the creepy stalker POV. And it is. It is the very creepy stalker. I mean, you can almost just expect to open up a letter and get little magazine letter cutouts. Creepy motherfuckers. That's what, it, yeah, it's it's creepy. 
Anyways, um, speaking of creepy things, today on Tumblr I opened it up in my box and there was an anonymous message and I should turn anonymous off. Obviously it's not working out for me. Um, and uh, the person in question is probably listening right now and I want you to know that you creep me out and my husband wants you to never, ever, as long as you live, message me again. Okay, because this is what was said to me. Hi, I really like listening to your podcast because you have that sweet little girl voice. You sound like candy. And my husband says, you tell that creepy motherfucker not to message you anymore. So I'm telling you, hey, creepy motherfucker, don't message me anymore. Just don't. So serious. Don't message me anymore. Because, ugh. Anyways, <laughs> I um I hope I've answered um, the question. I think that for the most part, most fiction is written from a third-person point of view and a third-person limited. That's what most traditional fiction is written in. Harry Potter is written in that. And I think a lot of people, when you're in fandom, you 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 tend to emulate the um, point of view that the that the source material comes from. Um, I, you know, so if you if you if you look at popular fiction, um, oh, okay, Julie's saying I, okay, uh, third person omniscient and head hopping. Third person omniscient is an elevation. Think of it as your narrator slightly above the scene. He is watching from below everybody's point of view. There and sometimes, and this is kind of a cheat, and I've seen them do it, which which is what makes omniscient so um, so difficult to discern. Sometimes is that you'll see a third person omniscient writer delve deep into a character's head, in a single character's head, and then they hop back out, and then they're above it again. But you need to view the third person omniscient as the god point of view. They know and see everything at once. Whereas third person limited is in a single character point of view, um, it's a deep point of view or a shallow point of view depending on the writer's ability, and then they can move from one character to another. Which, if the writer's craft work isn't stellar, might look like third person omniscient, even when they don't mean it to be. So, because third-person omniscient really isn't um, something that I would encourage anyone to do, I highly recommend that you that you person limited. Julie says, "Okay, yeah, that, that's actually very good. The God POV is a separate POV where all the POVs are filtered. Everything your narrator knows comes from the other characters." Um, but when you go deep, you um, you you create a craft situation where um, limited third person limited can be singular or multiple. You can use um, multiple characters, and if you use too many in a single scene, you head hop. So, but only one at a time. That's right. Third person limited is you are limited to one person's point of view at a time. Um, think about it that way. Third person limited to one person at a time. 
write that down. Okay. <laughs> now, head hopping comes in when you're in a scene and you move from one character to another. That is perfectly acceptable. But if you're in a 5,000-word scene and you've changed point of views more than once, you're head hopping, and you need to stop. Don't do that. And also, this is strictly a formatting point of view. I'm, I'm going to point out to you. Um, if you do this, and I'm, I'm not trying to be insulting, I swear I am not trying to insult you or make you feel bad for something that you've done in craft. You obviously don't know any better, so it's not your fault, okay? Um, do not use a scene break to change point of view. It is an extremely amateurish thing to do. If you can't shift your POV in a scene without doing a scene break, you don't need to shift point of view. Now, when you use a scene break, that's a, a, a mark indicating that the scene has changed. You're, you're telling the reader they are now in a new location. But then your reader realizes that they're not in a new location. They're just in a new POV. And they're going to give you a face. You can't see that face because they're looking at a computer or a book or a Kindle or an iPad. You're not seeing the face they're making at you, but they're making a what-the-fuck face at you. Don't do it. I used to do it. I did it all the time when I was young. I learned better. Learn better. Um, so limit yourself to two points of view in a scene. Um, sometimes a scene will shift, right? Like, if say you have two characters in the room, and the person who has the main scene, um, who is in the scene, does a, um, who you're writing from their point of view, they leave the room, but you need to stay in that room with the character that's left behind. That's a natural shift in point of view. It makes sense. Harry left the room, period. Draco turned towards the window and leaned there on the wall and stared out at the lawn. That's a shift in point of view. You don't know what happened before that. I don't know what happened before that. But now the POV, because Harry left the room and, and, and he was your POV character, and now you're in Draco's point of view. So you can explore what... Draco thought about their conversation, whether they argued or whether they um, made a decision about, you know, dinner or whatever. And so you've you've moved to Draco's point of view. If you have to ship, shift, okay, and so essentially it almost becomes a new scene, but not quite because Draco's still in the same room. So you don't have to do any kind of scene break. It's like a natural scene break where you've done a POV change. Now, if some people like to put a single line between um, a, a, a POV shift. I don't like that either. Um, my general rule of thumb is if I can't work a scene change, a, a POV change into the scene, if I can't make it shift naturally, I don't do it. So I don't use any kind of physical demarcation to separate a POV. If I can't make the shift appear natural and fluid in the structure of my scene, I do not shift the POV. Because if your POV isn't natural and, and fluid and it isn't moving from one character to the other in a very smooth, like water kind of way, if it doesn't flow, then you're going to jar your reader. 
as much as if you had just put a big old five lines of stars there, bang, you know, and it's it's, it's going to be extremely jarring. So if, and one of the reasons why people have problems with head hopping is because it's jarring and uncomfortable to your reader because they lose track of whose POV they're in and it makes it very difficult to create a scene that flows well and has impact because if your reader is constantly jarred out of your narrative, any impact you have been trying to create is going to be destroyed each and every time they're they're thrown out of the scene because you've changed POV unexpectedly and in an unnatural place. So I hope that answers your questions about third person, third person point of view. If I've made you ask more questions, please feel free to go over to the Ask Me Anything page and ask away. Now I am going to go work on my plot bunny that I have where Sirius and Snape get sent back in time by the Lord of Magic to kill Dumbledore. Yes, I am. Anyways, I hope you guys have a great evening, um, and remember, no ass to mouth.